something going to read part six of chapter three that day the youths and maidens of athens were brought through the labyrinth and to the hall where the where the minotaur was they went through the passages weeping and lamenting some cried out for theseus and some said that theseus had deserted them the heavy door was opened. Then those who were with the youths and maidens saw the Minotaur lying stark and stiff with Theseus' sword through its neck. They shouted and blew trumpets, and the noise of their trumpets filled the labyrinth. Then they turned back, bringing the youths and maidens with them, and a whisper went through the whole palace that the Minotaur had been slain. The youths and maidens were lodged in the chamber where Minos gave his judgment. Theseus, Theseus, wearied and overcome, fell into a deep sleep by the wall of the palace. He awakened with the feeling that a claw of the Minotaur was upon him. There were stars in the sky above the high palace wall, and he saw the dark-robed and ancient man standing beside him. Theseus knew that this was Diadlius, the builder of the palace and the labyrinth. Diadlius called a, a slim. Uh, Diadlius called, and a slim youth came. Apart from the rest of the palace, and Theseus had come near to that palace where they were confined. Heracles came and brought him into a winding stairway, showed him by a way to go. A dark-faced servant met and looked him full in the face, then as if he knew that Theseus was one whom he had been searching for, he led him into a little chamber where there were three maidens. One started up and came to him quickly. And Theseus saw again and dreamed. He, she hid him in the chamber of the palace, where her, uh, where her singing birds were, and she would come and sit beside him, asking about his own country and telling him of what she would do for him there. I showed you how you might come to the Minotaur, she said. And you went there and slew the monster, and now I may not stay in my father's palace. The Theseus thought of all the time in his return, and of how she might bring the youths and maidens of Athens back to their own people. For Adrienne was that strange princess, not dear to him as Medea, was dear to Jason, or Atlanta, the huntress, to young Allegris. One sunset, she led him to the roof of the palace, and she, and she showed him the harbor of with the ships, and she showed him the ship with the black sail that had brought him to Knossos. She told him that she would take him abroad that ship and that the youths and maidens of Athens would go with them. She would bring the master of the ship to, to, uh, uh, 
the master of the ship, the seal of King Minos, and the master, seeing it, would set sail for whatever place Theseus desired to go. Then did she become dear to Theseus because of her great kindness, and she kissed her ear, and he kissed her eyes, and swore that he would not go from the place unless she would come with him to his own country. The strange princess smiled and wept as if she doubted what he said it. Nevertheless, they, she led him from the roof and down into one of the palace gardens. She waited there, and the youths and maidens of Athens were led into the garden, all wearing cloaks that hid their forms and faces. Young Icarus led, <coughs> led them from the grounds of the palace and down the ships, and Adrine went with them, bringing with her the steel of her father, King Minos, and when they came to the broad of the black-sailed ship, they showed uh, uh, when they came to, showed the seal to their master, Nalesius, and the master of the ship let the sail let the breeze of the evening. So Theseus went away from Crete. To the island of Nasus they sailed, and when they reached that palace of the master of the ship, thinking that what had been done was not in accordance with the will of King Minos, stayed the ship there. They waited until other ships came to Knossos. And when they came, they brought word that Minos would not slay or demand back Theseus nor the youths of maidens of Athens. His daughter Edrine, he he would have back to reign with him over Crete. Then then Adrine left the black sailed ship and went back to Crete from Nassus. Theseus let the princess go, although he might have struggled to hold her. But more strange than dear did Adrine remain to Theseus. And all this time his father, Aegeus, stayed on the tower of his palace, watching the return of the ship that had sailed from Knossos. The life of the king wasted since the departure of Theseus, and now it was but a threat. Every day he watched for a return of the ship, hoping against the hope that Theseus would return alive him. When a ship came into the harbor, it had black sails. Aegeus did not know that Theseus was abroad it, that Theseus, in a hurry of his flight and in sadness of his parting from Adrian, had not taken out the white sail, had, or not, had not thought of taking out the white sail that his father had given to Nathius. Joyously, Theseus sailed into the harbor, having slain the Minotaur and lifted forever tribute to put upon Athens. Joyously, he sailed into the harbor, bringing back uh, bringing back to their parents and youths of maidens and Athens 
But the king his father saw the black sails upon the ship, and straightway the thread of his life broke, and he died on the roof of the tower, which he had built to look out unto the sea. Theseus landed on the shore of his own country. He had the ship drawn up on the beach and made sacrifices of thanksgiving to the gods. Then he sent messengers to the city to announce his return. They went toward the city, these joyful messengers, but when they came to the gate, they heard the sounds of mourning and lamentation. The mourning and lamentation were of the death of the king, Theseus' father. They hurried back, and, and they brought a wreath of victory for him, but they put it into his hand and told him of the death of his father. Then Theseus left the wrath on the ground, and he wept for the death of Agius. Of Agius the hero, who had left the sword under the stone for him before he was born. The man and woman who came into the beach wept and laughed as they they clasped their arms the children brought back to them. And Theseus stood there, silent and bowed, the memory of his last moments with his father, of all his fight with the Minotaur, of his parting with Adrian, all flowed back upon him. He stood there with his head bowed, a man who might not put upon his brows the wrath of victory that had, that had been brought to him. There had come into the city a youth of great valor whose name was Prithios. From the far country he had come, filled with a desire of meeting Theseus, whose fame had come to them. The youth was in Athens at the time <coughs> at the time Theseus returned. He went down to the beach. He went down to the beach with the townsfolk and he saw Theseus standing alone with his head bowed down. He went to him and spoke, and and Theseus, uh, and Theseus lifted his head, and he saw before him a young man in strength and in beauty. He looked upon him, and the thought of high deeds came into his mind again. He wanted this young man to be comrade in dangers and upon quests. And Prithius looked upon Theseus, and he felt that it was greater and nobler than he thought. He, they became friends and sworn brothers, and together they went into far countries. Now there was in Epirus a savage king who, who had a very fair daughter. He named his daughter Persephone, naming her thus to show that she was held as fast by him as the other Persephone that held who, who that was held who ruled under the world. No man might see her, and no man might wed her. But Prithius had seen the daughter of his king, and he desired above all things to take her from his from her father and make her his wife. He begged Theseus for him to enter that king's palace and carry off the maiden. 
So they came to Epirus, Theseus, and Perithous, and they entered to the king's palace. They heard of the bay and the dread hounds that there, that was there, to let no one out who had once come within the walls. Suddenly, the guards of the savage king came upon them, and they took Theseus and Perithous and dragged them down into the dark dungeons. Two great chairs of stone were there, and Theseus and Perithous were left seated on them. And the magic powers that were in the chairs of stone were such that that were such that the heroes could not <coughs> lift lift themselves out of them. They there they stayed held in the great stone chairs and in the dungeons of that savage king. Then it happened that Heracles came into the palace of the king. The harsh king feasted Heracles and uh, abated his savagery before him. But he could not forbear boasting of how he had trapped the heroes and who had come to carry off Persephone, and he told how they could not get out of the stone chairs, and how they were held captive in his dark dungeon. Heracles listened, and his heart full of pity from the heroes of Greece who had met with such a harsh fate. And when the king mentioned that one of the heroes was Theseus, Heracles would feast no more with him until he promised that one of them who had been his comrade would go to the Argo and would be let go. <coughs> the king said he would give Theseus his liberty if Heracles would carry the stone chair on which he was seated out of the dungeon and into the outer world. Then Heracles went down into the dungeon. He found the two heroes in the great chairs of stone, but one of them, Perthius, no longer breathed. Heracles took the great chair of of stone that Theseus was seated in, and he carried it up up from the dungeon and out into the world. It was a heavy task even for Heracles. He broke the chair into pieces, and Theseus stood up relieved. Thereafter the world was before Theseus. He went with Heracles, and in the deeds of Heracles was afterward to accomplish Theseus' share. So that was part six of chapter three. Bye, guys. See you later. See you later. See you later. See ya. See ya. Later. Bye, guys.